the adoption journey may seem overwhelming at first, but More to Love, an adoption podcast, is here to provide you with resources, experiences, interviews, advice, and tools to help guide you on your path to adoption. Hosted by a board-certified adoption attorney, this podcast shares the raw and real truths, the struggles and the triumphs, and the real-life family experiences that prove there is always more to love. Let's welcome our adoption expert and podcast host, Nicole Moore. Hello, and welcome to the first episode of More to Love. My name is Nicole Moore. I am so honored to be your host, and I am so excited to start this podcast with you. Before I decided to go to law school for the sole purpose of becoming an adoption attorney, my first plan was to channel my inner Oprah Winfrey. So I got my degree in journalism at the University of Florida, and today I am so excited to launch this adoption podcast and finally combine my love for storytelling with my love for building families. During the last 16 plus years of practicing exclusively in adoption law, I have had the privilege of sitting down and talking with so many different interesting humans who have overcome such adversity, such heartbreak, such disappointment, and still went on. I've been so humbled to have witnessed such perseverance and triumph in these journeys. And I want to introduce these amazing humans and their amazing adoption stories to you. I know you'll be inspired by them and learn from them just as I have. And throughout our episodes in the future, we'll have expert tips, advice on navigating adoption, as well as a question and answer segment. So without further ado, I would love to get started and introduce my first guests, Jess and Leo. Hello. Hi. How are you both? We're good. Happy to be here and be a part of this. Can you tell me a little bit about when you and your husband decided there was more to love? Jessica and I have known each other for a long time, and we first met working together back in college and became good friends. And eventually, once we started dating, you know, we started talking about, you know, the future. And in those talks, we talked about, you know, what we wanted, you know, if we got married, have a family and such. And we pretty much had that mindset. For me, I lost my father when I was real young and grew up in a in a blended family with uh, older step siblings, my sister, and then, uh, you know, a half-brother when my mom remarried. So the uh, wanting of a family had always been very important to me. And it was something in my my relationships I had always uh, pursued. Did you guys decide to just start the traditional way that most people decide when they want to build their family? Yeah, there's always the, oh, we'll get married and we'll wait two years and, and then try to have kids. And, you know, it kind of was that, you know, within the first year, we, you know, wanted to start, you know, seeing if it happens the natural way. And it unfortunately didn't happen that way. So when did you have to look at alternative modes of building your family? So probably after a year or so, maybe two years of, you know, if it happens, it happens. If it doesn't, then we'll, you know, move on. I, you know, went to the doctors, did all the preliminary stuff of blood work and checking to see, you know, if there's something medically going on and there wasn't. And then, you know, we started kind of, I guess, the route that most parents go with the least uh, invasive. So it was, you know, medication. And then, of course, when that doesn't work, it leads to the next step, which is IUI. And then it just keeps going from there. You know, and each one of those steps was not a success. And, you know, our end goal was just always, you know, we wanted kids. So we were going to keep going until that happened. So you did three IUIs and those were not successful? Correct. Yeah. We did those probably in a span of maybe like six months with breaks in between and none of those were successful. And then did you do three IVFs after that? 
Yeah. So then we, at that point, the doctor has suggested that we start exploring the option of IVF. And we met with a doctor. We decided to do, you know, one round of IVF. In our head, we were like, that's the answer. It's going to work, you know, because that's just, you you just feel like that's going to be the success story. And, you know, if it did not work the first time, then at that point, we're like, well, maybe we'll change doctors. So we did, you know, seek out a different type of facility and did another round of IVF. Didn't work. Third round didn't work. And that was all in the span of probably maybe two, 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 two three to years. yeah, two to three years with, you know, some breaks in between because it is a huge financial burden, you know, and physical and, and emotionally taxing in all ways. I literally have people that come to our office and say they've tried those types of methods and they've literally spent their savings on trying to get pregnant and they wish they had known about adoption prior because now they have to generate some savings again. So how did you guys deal with that financial aspect of saving money for an adoption after spending so much money on these efforts? Yeah, it's so true. You just said, I mean, I think the amount of money that's spent is enormous and we relied on... We relied on, on savings that we had. We were fortunate to have my family that helped tremendously. And, you you know, some loans that we took, you know, once we once we came to the decision that adoption was going to be our path, we used a, a mixture of our, our savings. And then when we had the unfortunate uh, failed adoption, our family stepped up and helped us out. And that was a, a big help because at that point, going through the uh, the journey, I mean, we have basically bled everything that we had pretty much in, in these attempts. So like Jess said, you were going through such emotional hardships at this time with the financial burdens. At any point, did you both think of giving up? Um, I, I, you know, we talked about that earlier. I don't think there was ever a time where we thought, okay, we're just not going to have kids. I think every failure though, just felt like defeat. And it was like, okay, is this, is it going to happen? Maybe this is a sign it's not going to happen, but it didn't mean that we didn't want that end goal. Like it was always about building our family. It was just, how are we going to get there? And what did families look like around you? I mean, did your, did your friends have kids at the time? Oh yeah. I mean, we were in our, you know, twenties, people were having kids. There were baby showers and birthday parties and baptisms. I mean, it was all around us. We, by that point, we were married going on, you know, seven, eight years. And it was just Leo and I, and we had no kids. So of course, people are asking questions, you know, when are you gonna have kids? When are you gonna have kids? And we're just like, oh, well, we're, you know, when the time is right, the time is right. Because we're also very private people in the sense that at the time it was going on, we just didn't want to burden anyone else with what we were going through. So after all of these failed attempts, how did you both individually and as a couple muster up the courage to get up again and try something else? We wanted to have kids and we knew it was going to not be easy. You know, the uh, the failed attempts prepared us in that mindset that, you know, you just got to keep persevering. You got to keep moving forward. You, you know what the ultimate goal is there. I mean, just as Jessica said, it was, you know, you felt defeat and then you, you started wondering, are, are these signs? But, you know, we didn't want to believe that. And we just wanted to keep trying to reach that goal we had set out for. And did you know anybody else that was having the same difficulties in building their family? Not really, right? I well, just... I had, I mean, I have a, uh... 
I've had a couple of friends who were having difficulty, but they, they did get success eventually through IVF. One of my best friends, he and his wife, and, you know, looking back when they were going through it, and just like Jessica and I, you keep certain things private. My friends and I would notice that their house would all of a sudden start having stuff for for children, but then it wouldn't happen. And after time passed, you know, it was coming to the realization that they were having difficulty. And through all those times, they were having the same experiences that Jessica and I were going through. They just, you know, were, were private about it. So looking back during that time, what would have helped you both get through that? Well, I mean, one of the things when when we were first asked about this opportunity about a podcast, you know, Jessica and I spoke about it and we talked about how when we made the decision to adopt, you know, I have a lot of friends who themselves, they were adopted, but we really don't know any adopted parents outside of our friend's parents. You know, so we really didn't have any anybody to ask or anybody to help us through that process and that journey. And, you know, having this here gives the the opportunity to hear what another family has gone through. And, you know, one of the things I've always said to Jessica is that when you turn on the TV, they always have one side of the journey, but they never really focus on the journey of the adoptive parents. The Today Show, a lot of times, you know, I'll turn it on and they're celebrating a a reunification, but there's really no mention ever about the adoptive parents and the, the sacrifices they made, the decision they made, what they had to endure to get to that decision. And then all those struggles at the end of the day, once you first hold your baby, everything goes to ease because Mm -hmm. it's, it's what, you know, you realize all that was to get you there. And once you're there, it's, it makes it make sense. It makes, yeah, exactly. I'm so glad that you said that because I couldn't agree more about, you know, the sensationalism and, you know, maybe they show everybody sees the happy ending, you holding a baby, but I think what makes it so beautiful is actually all of the heartache that you had to go through to appreciate holding your first daughter for the first time. And I've just always been drawn to people who have overcome such hardships because they have a different lens through which they look at life. And I think that both of you certainly share that. So knowing what you had to go through, what was the first time like when you held your daughter, knowing that you had reached the top of the mountain, so to speak? Well, I I guess the top of the mountain would be when it was, when I say all said and done, like when, because even when you hold that baby for the first time, it's like, is this really my baby? You know, because again, you know, there's procedures to everything. And as adoptive parents will know when they go through the journey that you never feel like it's final until it's final. And I think for us, it was, well, Leo can share was the moment that was the moment you shook my hand. (laughs) I mean, I I always, I mean, I still as clear as day, remember seeing you coming down the hallway and walking up to me and what you told me, you know, I'm happy to to shake the hand of a proud father. (laughs) You know, I still, that, that's when you, you finally get that sense of that weight off your shoulder, just, you know, a little bit of an exhale. Yeah. Yeah. But you really don't exhale until that adoption <laughs> finalization. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. That's the true celebration. And that's the celebration that finally you can share with everybody. You know, you can have your family there, all the people that, like we had mentioned, we were so private about it because we did have that disrupted adoption that, you know, we had shared with that with a lot of our close family. And then it was like, there goes another failure. And it was like, we're not telling anybody because I just, it, there's a sense of, a sh- you know, you feel ashamed, embarrassed. And I mean, you, and you get you, you, you haven't 
you know, you're having to tell the story over and over again with the same ending. And I mean, I, I remember it was after Thanksgiving of 20, 2011 when my, my family had come up for Thanksgiving and all our family were together that after we had dinner with my family, when they went back home, you know, I told Jessica, I, you know, I, I'm ready. You know, we had talked about adoption. We actually came to Heart of Adoptions prior to us finally making the decision to get information and understand, you know, the process. Let's go back to that, Leo, because I just, in following the timeline, I want our listeners to just kind of grasp this timeline. You guys had the three failed IUIs, the three failed IVFs, I think also a failed transfer. Yeah, correct. So in between that last IVF cycle and before the frozen transfer, that's when we were kind of exploring adoption. So we met with caseworker at Heart of Adoptions, talked about what it looks like. And then I kept going back to, well, just what if, what if we can still do it this way? And we still had some embryos that were um, frozen and we're like, okay, we'll just do it one more time. Every time was just one more time. And, you know, it wasn't a success, that frozen transfer. And I think for me, I had to do it because for me, I had to mourn the process of not having my own child. I hear that. And so did you feel as a woman, you had to try everything you could possible to have your own biological child that grew in your stomach? Yeah, I think that's just maybe how how you feel just in society. Like you get married, you have a kid and then in a, in a nice house and you have your jobs and, and that's just how it's supposed to be. That's it's supposed to work that way, you know. And so I think for me, like I said, I had to accept that that was not going to happen. And and maybe that's why I did so many and why we did three IUIs, why we did three IVFs, because I wasn't ready to accept it. And then, you know, finally I had to. I hear that a lot. Like I said, with people that are trying and you're on the meds and you're an emotional wreck and physically hurting and they just want to keep trying. There's no guarantee. Whereas when people come to me and ask about adoption, I can pretty much guarantee that they can build their family through adoption while there's no real guarantee through assisted reproduction. So I think it's hard for people to say, we're going to spend X amount of money trying, and then we're going to explore adoption, or we're going to do this X amount of times, and then we're going to explore adoption because they just get so wrapped into it. You do get so wrapped up. And and at some point, sometimes you lose sight of what is the end goal because you're like, I'm just going to beat this. I'm going to win, you know? And I I look back and I wish maybe we shouldn't have done it that many times. I wish we kind of would have explored adoption earlier on, but then we go back to it all happened for a reason, because if we did it sooner, we wouldn't be here with the girls we have today. Absolutely. So when was the time that you both said, let's adopt? I mean, after the last transfer, I think uh, Jessica had made up her mind at that point. I still had reservations and still hadn't, hadn't decided, but it was just, it wasn't something in particular that happened that Thanksgiving weekend, but it was that Sunday that I had finally made that decision. I think for me, you know, some of it was just like Jessica had said, you know, you grow up in our culture and our society where, you know, we both have big families, you know, you get married, you have kids, you get your house, you have grandkids and you go through that process. And I think, you know, we held on to that thinking for a while. And then it was finally, I think, you know, after that, that frozen transfer that for me, it was, it's time to take another route. 
And so when you guys did get the courage to go forward with adoption, was it your first attempt at adoption in which you experienced a disrupted adoption? Yeah. So after we had adopted parents, we'll realize when they go through the journey, all the paperwork and the background checks and the home studies. And after that, we were matched fairly quickly within maybe two months, two, three months. And was, yeah, it was, yeah. I mean, we were matched on Valentine's, Valentine's Day, Day of 2012 and I and think that, it was basically a month because I don't think we turned everything in until after the holidays. Because it wasn't only just the paperwork, but putting your story together. And back at that time, we were doing that through books where, I, you know, I see now a lot of people are doing videos and different online things. But we were doing was putting together a, a book at that time. And we were matched fairly quickly. And being that it was so quick, you get that this was what was supposed to happen. Yeah, it's going to work. It's going to work. This was what was meant to be. And, and so when up. did your disruption occur? Was it before the child was born or was it a disruption at the hospital? So we just found out that she had the baby and chose to parent. And so we found out after the fact. Well, we had the confirmation after she had the baby. However, uh, I believe the doctor's office had contacted Harv Adoption and one of the nurses had mentioned that she didn't feel she was going to place and how she had just had a, uh, a baby shower. And then at that point, our caseworker started trying to seek information about what was going on. But then that's when, as Jessica was saying, we got the confirmation afterwards. She did have the baby. And right now there's no contact. How did that make you feel? I mean, here here you guys have been through H-E double hockey sticks and back. <laughs> Can you say that on a podcast? I'm not sure. <laughs> but how did you feel? I mean, I would just think, were you asking the universe why? I mean, were you were you feeling like you were being, you know, just punished? I mean, how did how did that make you feel? All those things, I would say that you just yeah. said. Yeah, every single one of those things. You're just like, you know, your hands up in the air. Why? You question your faith. You question everything, really. Like, what, what are you, God, what are you trying to tell me? Like, seriously. I mean, you know, we hadn't expected that. I think we were, you know, we always, we're, we were told that this could happen. We're like, no, that can't happen to us. You know, we've been through so much. And then we're, it's just like, seriously, like what, how many more hurdles could we go through? When we were thinking of who we wanted to feature on our first podcast, and we had shared on our firm social media page that we were looking for a family that had really suffered loss. We had so many people reach out and describe a little bit of what you had gone through. But it was sad in, in the sense that you guys took the cake with as many failed and disappointments than anyone else that had reached out. And so I just thought your story was one of such triumph in overcoming repeated losses. And I want to fast forward, you know, now to that triumph when you you did get to adopt your first daughter and you went through that process and you got through to the adoption finalization. How many years into trying to build your family are you at that point? So we were married 10 years, right? About that. Well, and so we were probably not eight to nine years within the trying the journey of parenthood. We're right at the finalization was basically two weeks before our, our uh, nine year anniversary. And what would you tell prospective adoptive parents that are listening today? What would you tell them that you wish somebody had told you on the early processes during, you know, one door being closed and another and another? What do you wish 
you knew then? It's just holding on to your faith and hope. Was that a religious based? Was that spiritually? Was that just, I have a goal and I know I'm going to get there somewhere? I think we just, we have a strong faith and we just knew that this wasn't the end of our story. With as much failure we've had to overcome, we knew that there was going to be that celebration. And that's all we kept thinking. I mean, it was literally a week went by between the disruption and the phone call for our first daughter. And when we got the phone call, we sat down and we were like, are we ready? And it wasn't even a thought process. It was yes. I mean, we had at that, at this point had experienced so much failure that we knew it wasn't the end and we were going to go through it. So all of those attempts were chapters in your story, but you knew somehow that although there were quite a few sad chapters that the upcoming chapters were going to be better. Yeah, exactly. And I think that like, just for me, what I would would have wanted to know, I guess, is that, you know, all families look different. They don't have to be like Leo said, what we see in society, you know, I mean, they all look different. And it's okay to say, I'm done. I'm not going to do it this way anymore. I'm not going to go the medical route. It's okay to say that and say, I'm going to pursue other avenues, whether it's private adoption or foster to adopt, you know, there's so many beautiful ways to build a family. And you know, I, again, I look back and go, oh, I wish I would have known, but everything happens for a reason. I think that's what Leo and I live by is it just, it all, and I would tell the parents that too, it all makes sense at the end. Every single failure that happened, every single financial burden, emotional burden, it all happened for a reason. I mean, now you have two adopted daughters. Did you ever feel, you know, we, we talked a little bit about stigma and you had this expectation that you get married and then women are supposed to just be able to have their children and build their family. I also hear a lot of women sharing their fears with me about their ability to love a child that was born to somebody else as much as they would their own. And I can dispel that fear very quickly, not through my own personal experience as a mother, but through watching mothers and fathers like you and Leo love their children and really define what that what love means. So can you just speak to that? I mean, it, it, I think it's like Jessica had said that it's love at the end of the day that makes the family. And, you know, I, I grew up with that being coming from a b- blended family and realizing as I was growing up that your family isn't the traditional or what you hear or they teach you. At the end of the day, it's love. Jessica and I have, have friendships that we consider them family members just as much as we consider consider our our own individual family. Amen. Yeah. And that was the one thing. And, you know, it's interesting because even as we we mentioned before, we started getting real private about our journey because of reliving that, telling the story. But I always remember to this day, my neighbor next door, who was very involved with us, as we went through it, he actually wrote one of the the stories for us that we had to submit for for our home studies. And he said to this day, he's like, if I didn't know the story, I would have no idea that you guys adopted. Wow. So do you wish now that you were more public? with your story? Do you feel now that it's more acceptable to share those vulnerable uh, attempts and, and losses with the public so they know what you've been through? I mean, I think I do. I think it's always good to hear somebody else's experience as you're making a decision and what you want to do and to understand that it isn't like you see on TV. I mean, everything is so socially generated nowadays through our different media platforms and they all paint this picture. And, you know, life a lot of times doesn't happen that way. And for us before, when we were going through it, the only thing we had available was reading 
online. Some stories that we would come across or a website we found where somebody would share their experience. That's all we had. And I think this here is great to be able to hear from, from others what they went through and to understand, you know, the journey, but to understand that it's all about hope. It's the hope at the end of the day. And Jessica and I have been completely lucky to be able to, to look at two girls every day and realize that everything that we we suffered was for a reason. You know, a lot of times, you know, some people in life aren't able to understand the why. I mean, I've always kind of been a, a why type person and trying to get those answers. You know, why did this happen? Why did I lose my father? Why did this accident happen? You know, different things in life that occur that you really can't put a period afterward because you can't get an answer. But that day, holding Juliana and then holding Brooklyn, it answered that for me. And it's it, yeah. It's all there. It's a, it's, it's, a, it's an experience that I would do again. There's no regret that, that I have in, you know, even the financial burden that, that we took through it. I have absolutely no regret. And Jessica would tell you if one day we were to decide again, I have no reservations to it. I would definitely seek it out again. All right, I had the goosebumps from, from what you just shared, Leo, and, and that those girls are your why. And I can't thank you enough for both being here today with me. It's our goal that our listeners can hear your story and what you've been through and knowing that at the end, you were able to adopt not one, but two beautiful children to make your family of four. And we just hope that people listening have the hope if they're in one of those phases, in one of those early chapters in their book to know that better chapters are ahead. So thank you so much for being with us. And I wish you years and years of continued happiness and love. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of More to Love, an adoption podcast. And speaking of love, there is always more to go around. So if you or someone you know is going through the adoption journey, please, please, please share our podcast. Help us spread the word by liking us on Facebook at Jeannie Tate PA connecting with us on LinkedIn, or following us on Twitter. As a reminder, this podcast is not intended to, nor does it, create the attorney-client privilege between myself, guests, contributors, and or any listener for any reason. Content from the podcast is not to be interpreted as legal advice. So thanks again for joining us. We cannot wait for you to join us next time on More to Love.